You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Are we there? there we go. Uh, okay, uh, first of all, before I forget, because I did forget until not long ago, uh, there's this QR code. Uh, we'll do the Q&A afterwards. Um, we'll attempt a Q&A afterwards. It's probably more accurate. Um, so if you have any questions, uh, there's like a digital form that you fill out. Um, they'll come to uh, our phones, the elders' phones still. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, first of all, my name is Houston. I'm one of the elders here at the Vine. Uh, I'm on staff. and I preach occasionally. And uh, like Ruby said, as you notice, we're finishing up the book of Philippians today. I have the honor of closing out Philippians for us. And our passage today, I think, is interesting. It's an interesting one. One that I bet you might have noticed, uh, there is not a command in this passage. You know, Paul is wrapping up this letter, and he talks about a lot of things, but he's not telling the Christians of Philippi what to do. Well, will you put up that last slide? There's kind of one thing here in verse 21. It says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. That's the only command in this passage today. And so, maybe that's a takeaway. Greet each other. Maybe the whole point of the letter is greet each other. Maybe this sermon will be uh, seven reasons why saying hello to another Christian will improve your life, increase your walk, and make you lose 20 pounds. Or maybe we'll leave that for someone else to preach. Uh, No, our, our passage today is not Paul commanding the Philippian Christians to do anything. He's pointing out what they've already done. And he's going to thank them for how generous they've been to him. And and he's going to talk a lot about partnership in the gospel. And he's going to thank them for that partnership that they've had. And finally, Paul's going to talk about generosity and partnership. But he's going to explain that for us a little bit. He's going to unpack it. And and he's going to show that it's actually a form of worship. But he didn't direct them to worship. He he pointed out that what they did was worship. And so I think is that passages like this can really slip past us. We, we can read something like this and think, oh, well, Paul is just finishing up business with somebody. This is not really for me. Let's move on. Or even maybe just think this is some long goodbye. Maybe just think this is all a part of the goodbye, and this is not what we focus on when we read the Bible. But friends, this is the inspired word of God preserved for us. And there's a reason for that. The passages like ours today serve not to command us, of what to do, 
but to show us the beauty of a way of life. And that's what's happening in our passage today. Paul is thanking the Philippian Christians for how they have loved him so well. We get to read this letter not because he's commanding us or them to live in a certain way, but because we get to have the picture painted for us of a more beautiful way to live. And this is one of the most beautiful and heartfelt passages in all of Paul's writing. And we get to read along. We get to see him pour out this love for the Christians at Philippi. And instead of commands about how we should live, instead, we get to see a picture of a group of people who, when it comes to generosity and partnership, actually got it. And I think this is really a compelling way for us to learn and grow, isn't it? It's like, it's like whenever you really get into a hobby, and, and you're so into this hobby, and, and maybe you don't do this, but like when I get into something, man, I spend so much time on YouTube just watching videos of other people doing that same hobby, right? Or doing that same thing. I've got like some nods in the audience. We've got some strong people who understand what I'm talking about. So like a year or so ago, I got so into like weightlifting and strongman competitions. I know, you can't tell, it's fine. Uh, so I love, and I've probably talked about this before, uh, and I really could go on and on about this, and if you ask Kinsey or the guys in my city group, I have gone on and on about this, but I love watching strongman competitions on YouTube. It is the most fun thing. Some, guys, some people know what I'm talking about, yes. I love watching strongman competitions. There's nothing better than seeing a guy lift up a 400-pound stone and then waddle across like 100 feet, throw it down, and then pick up something. Like, that is the best, right? It's so cool. It's so cool. The point, the point is, whatever your hobby is, you know, say maybe you like woodworking, or you like basketball, or fishing, or running. Well, not running. But it's whatever your hobby is, like, we get that, right? We want to watch other people who are good at it, and we want to watch, like, maybe it's just me, but, like, I love watching YouTube videos of people doing what I want to do. There's something about that. It's like, you know, it's like inspires me to want to do that, too. And I think that's the important thing is that, you know, like, when I watch those guys, when I watch the strongman competitions, like, I'm not getting better at strongman, Right? I can watch these guys lift stones all day, and I won't get stronger. In fact, if I do it all day, I'll probably get weaker, right? But it's still, it, like, watching that gets me excited, gets me pumped. Like, I want to I train and, and do that, too. I want to lift big rocks and put them in different places, right? And, and I think that's, that's what we have in our picture today, in our passage today. He's not, Paul's not telling the Philippian Christians what to do. He's thanking them for how wonderful they've been to him. And that thank you has been preserved for us so that we can see what it means to follow Jesus in this way. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at this passage. We're going to see what Paul, uh, or see that Paul thanks the Philippian Christians and what he thanks them for. We're going to see their example of their partnership with Paul. We're going to be compelled by this picture. We're going to see the benefits of, of that partnership. Third, we're going to see the glory of the partnership in the gospel. So again, we're going to see three things. First, the example of partnership. Second, the benefit 
of partnership. And third, we're going to see the glory of partnership in the gospel. So would you pray with me? Lord, we just pray that in this time, we come under your word, that you would just bless this time. Pray that as we open the word, that you would open our hearts to your word, that we could receive what you have to say today, and that we, Lord, could grow in what it means to follow you, Jesus, what it means to follow your will, Father, and what it means to be led by you, Spirit. We thank you for all that you give us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. First thing we're talking about is the example of the partnership of the Philippian Christians. And what is Paul getting at when he calls them partners with him? You know, this is a, this is a word that gets thrown around a lot in our culture. It can mean a lot of things. Maybe you're a lawyer or an accountant, and partner means one thing. Maybe you're the average person on the street, a non-believer, and partner means a completely different thing, right? Maybe you're doing three-legged races, and partners means a third thing. But what does Paul mean when he says partner? Well, let's look at verse 15. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. 4.15 says this, and you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. So the first thing we see here is that the church in Philippi entered into partnership with Paul in giving and receiving. What he means by this is they sent him money. They, they were supporting him financially in his missionary journeys. And this is really interesting. This is one of the few places in the Bible, and especially in Paul's writings, where Paul uses really business-like terms. It's, it's not a kind of language he usually uses. It's a, kind of, it's a kind of verbiage that we would use if we were talking about an organization's like profit and loss statements or, or, or revenue and expenses. And so the picture here is, is the church in Philippi was supporting Paul financially, much like we do with our missionary partners around the world. Right? It's, it's like the equivalent of Justin Laurel, our friends that we sent down to Ecuador. It's like the, the equivalent of them reaching out to us and saying, Vine family, you know that you supported us financially in our move to Ecuador. But what I want us to catch is that the support is not just financial support. In fact, uh, Look at the verse just before. I don't think it's going to be on the screen. Look at the verse just before on verse 14. It says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And some of your translations will have a note. Mine has a note here at the bottom that says, uh, Have fellowship in my afflictions. So some of you, or it was kind of you to have fellowship in my afflictions. And so what Paul is doing is he's raising the stakes. He's saying that the Philippian church didn't just send Paul money. They partnered with him. And this is the beautiful picture that Paul is painting. So you see here that the partnership isn't just about sending money. It's about considering the other's needs the same as your own. And that's what Paul means when he says the Philippian Christians have fellowshiped in his afflictions. They, they considered the fact that Paul was suffering 
They considered the fact that Paul was in need, and they said, those needs are our needs. They saw that Paul was imprisoned, or in need, or hurting. And it was like it was their own brother or sister that was in need. So they jumped into action. They partnered with him. Not just in sending money, but in sending help. See what it says in verse 16. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. They sent help because they saw he was in need. You know, we remember earlier, Paul talked about this guy Epaphroditus being sent to him. And in fact, we're going to read that later too. See, Paul didn't just need someone to put money in his bank account. He needed help. And friends, we, we've seen that time and again from our missionary partners around the world. They need more than just money to keep on serving. If you pay attention to Slack, you'll see every time that the Vine sends somebody to Ecuador or North Africa, the most common thing we hear is, thank you for sending these people. Our ministry partners in, in North Africa and Ecuador in our other churches in the Madison Multiply Network, they need partnering with. The vine needs partnering with. They don't just need money. We don't all just need more money to keep on working. They do need money, but not just money. They need support. They need partnership. And this is the picture that we ought to see from the Philippian Christians' partnership is their extreme generosity. And that's important because true partnership is an expression of generosity. There's no such thing as a partner that is selfish. You know, selfishness is at the, if selfishness is at the core of any relationship, then it's not a partnership. At best, it's a one-sided partnership. At worst, it's just two people using each other. Right? So when we look at this picture of the Philippian Christians who are so generous to Paul that they sent him money, they sent him trusted members of the church, they sent him, we can tell, letters and messages of encouragement, we should be moved to do the same thing. The picture of the Philippian church is that they were wildly generous, even when no one else was. Did you catch that? Even when no one else supported me, Paul says, you sent help. And I think that's what we ought to aspire to be, is wildly generous even when no one else is. So we've seen the example of the Philippian church's generosity. Let's talk about the benefit of generosity and partnership. And if you're like me, right away, someone says the benefit of generosity, and you have red flags start to come up. Maybe you get a little hesitant. Maybe you kind of, oh, I don't know about that. Because I always think, you know, if it's real generosity, there is no benefit. Right? It's like, if you do it because you want gain, then it's not benefit. Or it's not generosity. Right? But really, those are, are two separate ideas. If the reason for generosity is gain, then it's not generosity. That's true. But 
being generous does have benefits. In fact, this is a very biblical idea. Proverbs 11.24 says this, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and only suffers want. The Bible says that generosity is rewarded. Now, maybe not in the same way that you were generous. This is a really important point. In other words, if you're generous with your money, that doesn't mean you're getting money back. That's not, that's not really the way God's economy works. And in fact, in that proverb, the image, the specific image, is of a farmer scattering seed. So the idea is that, the, that he who scatters gathers. Some translations will say that. So he who scatters uh, freely gathers all the more. And, and this is important because as a farmer, you know, the more you plant, and maybe I'm wrong about this, someone who's a farmer is probably going to tell me afterwards, that the more you plant, the more you harvest, right? But there's a key difference, is that what you're planting is seeds, and what you're harvesting is crops or fruit, right? And it's just the same with generosity in the Lord's economy. Generosity in the Lord's economy is like planting seeds. You're not getting back what you put in, but you are getting something. You're getting crops or, again, fruit. And that really ties into our passage today. You see verse 17, Philippians 4 verse 17, says, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. You see that? The fruit that increases to your credit. Paul's saying, you know, he didn't just want them to send money. He wanted them to benefit from being generous. And I think that makes sense considering last week's sermon, right? If you remember last week, James preached on Paul's contentment. You know, I can do all things through Christ and and about how that was contentment regardless of circumstances. And so it stands to reason that when the Philippian Christians, they send Paul money and support, well, yeah, he's appreciative. That's a blessing. He, he thanks them for it. But man, the thing that was most important to him was the benefit that they were getting for that generosity. In fact, let's, let's look at this verse again. Verse 17. Some of your Bibles, mine does, has a note that says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that accrues to your account. And man, there's that business language again, right? Except the business language now is less of like shipping and receiving or, or revenue and profits or revenue and loss or whatever. It's, uh, it's more like investor's language. It's like what Paul is saying is, is he really appreciated the gift especially sending Epaphroditus to minister to him. It helped a lot. But man, what is most exciting is the profit that is being deposited in the Philippian church's account. It's like Paul is an investor. And he's come back to these Philippian Christians and he says, hey, five years ago, you gave me this much money, and look, it's doubled it. Doing great. It's like Paul is telling them, it's like, hey, you know that money that you sent me? 
Well, I invested in Apple, and look, that stock's blown up now, and you're rich. You get the picture of partnership and generosity here? See, the Bible tells us the Lord created the world to work a certain way. And that the way it is supposed to work is that generosity is rewarded. And we can trust that. We can trust that is what Paul says in verse 19. It says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Friends, the picture here is that we can trust the Lord to reward generosity because he is so generous. Look at the language Paul uses here. According to the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Paul's not saying, and the Lord will divvy up his meager funds to bless you. No. He says, he will reward you in the generous riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In fact, book of Malachi. The beautiful line for this. Malachi 3.10. And in this passage, it was in the Old Testament, God's talking to Israel. And he's talking about their generosity. He's talking about especially uh, their giving to him. And, and he's saying that by withholding money, or by withholding their gifts to him, and their generosity to others, it's like they're robbing him. But then in response, he flips it and he says this. And it's going to be on the screen. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. See that picture? God's saying that if you give generously and sacrificially, partnering with God, with other Christians, he said he will open up the windows of heaven and rain down blessings. That's big language. He says, challenge me. Put him to the test. See if you can outgive God. Can you give more financially than God has? God can. Do you have more resources at your exposure, at your, at your available to you? Do you have more resources available to you than God does? Do you have more time than God does? Can you do more than God can? No. God's not worried about running out. He says, put me to the test. See if you can outgive me. You can't. We can trust that there is benefit in generosity because we can never be more generous than God is. We can never partner with others like God has partnered with us. So we've seen this example of the Philippian Christians and their generosity and partnership. We've seen the benefit of generosity. But maybe at this point we're starting to pick up that there's something missing here. You know, if the point of generosity and partnership is not for personal gain, but man, there is a benefit to it, well then what is the point? What is the proper motive? How do we pursue that instead of selfish goals? 
And man, that's the million-dollar question in the Bible, isn't it? And the idea, the answer, is that we want to pursue, instead of personal gain, is we want to pursue something greater. And in fact, we're called to pursue the ultimate good thing, greater than anything else in this world, and it's God's glory. And man, if you've been around the church for a little while, I think you've probably heard this word. In fact, we sang about it today in the Holy Song. God is glorious. God's glory. But what in the world does that mean? Well, the Bible paints two pictures for us of God's glory. In the Greek in the New Testament, the word for glory means divine and heavenly radiance, or like loftiness and majesty. Meaning that because God is the most glorious, he is the most divine, the most radiant, the most majestic. The picture in the New Testament is that because God is the most glorious, he is the most beautiful. He is the person most desirable. But in the Old Testament, the word for glory means weightiness. In fact, if you were talking about those 400-pound stones that the strong men lift, you would talk about how much glory does a stone have. Literally, weightiness, like heaviness, weight. And so here, in the Old Testament, when God is referred to as glorious, he's referred to as the weightiest thing. Meaning that he is the most important. He is the weightiest idea, the weightiest person in the universe. The center. In fact, we're not prepared for this, but in the song that we sang, Holy... In the first slide, we see a great example of this. In fact, all this language is in that first slide. I'm really putting David on the spot now. I'm sorry. Right here. Okay. Yes, thank you. Uh, what heart could hold the weight of your love? What heart could hold the glory of your love? And know the heights of your great worth. Again, the glory What eyes could look on your glorious face, shining like the sun? What what eyes could see your glory? You get what I'm getting at here? The Bible paints a picture of God being the most important, the center, the most beautiful, the most desirable. And as Christians, God's glory is the only thing that is worthy to pursue, ultimately. It's the ultimate thing for Christians. It's, it's our true north. It's how we know how to navigate the world. And we see that in this passage, don't we? Let's read the last few verses together, verses 18 through 20. It says, I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, do you feel that this passage has built up to this last line? Why should we be generous with others? Why should we partner with others in the gospel? 
Because in doing this, we bring glory to God. Or, or even further back, think about last week. Why should we pursue contentment? Why can we have contentment in our circumstances, regardless of our circumstances? Because like James says, we were one with Christ and we have beheld his glory. Friends, every passage in the book of Philippians has led to this line. is encouraging the Christians to do everything they do to the glory of God. Let's think about other themes in the book of Philippians. Why should we have unity as believers? Because it is glorifying to God when we are one as he is one. Why should we have joy despite our circumstances? Because the glory of God is the most beautiful thing that we can ever see. And that we get to enjoy it when we pursue it, no matter what's happening in our lives. Why can we have peace in times of afflictions? Because God, the source of all glory in the universe, is with us. See what I'm getting at here? This is ultimate. God's glory is ultimate for Christians. So what do we do with all that? What's the appropriate response to all that we've read today? How can we have fellowship in each other's afflictions? How can we do this generosity and benefit from it? Man, how can we do all of this for God's glory? The second part of verse 18, I think, gives us an answer to this. It says, I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Paul's saying here that generosity and partnership are forms of worship. That when the Philippian Christians sent their gifts to Paul, really they were sending them to God. And when he received them, it was like God received a fragrant and acceptable offering. And this is, this is Old Testament imagery. This is temple imagery of good sacrifices. And when I think about that, you know, I'm from Kansas City. And so when I think about this idea of fragrant and acceptable sacrifices, I think of barbecue. Right? It's like when someone brings you good barbecue. You know, you get that styrofoam container, you're holding your hand, and you can feel the warmth through the packaging. You can feel the heat, and, and then you open in the clamshell, and you can smell the beautiful smoke and spices. And then you know this is just delicious. It's like a fragrant gift, right? This, this is the picture. This is pure joy. There's no greater gift because you know that if someone made this for you, then they spent hours and hours of their time working on this. And you know that it's a craft that they've worked on to perfect. You know that it costs them money. These cuts of meat are not always cheap. And you know that they decided not to keep all of it for themselves, but to give some to you. This, this is what God feels when we are generous. He feels pure joy. 
Because in true generosity, he is glorified. He's glorified by the time we spend, by the energy we expend, by the resources we give to partner with each other and to partner with him. So then, of course, as we think about what does this look like for us today, how can we respond to this passage? How can we be generous? Well, for one, you go to Ecuador. You go on one of these trips. You know, there's an information meeting coming soon. It's on Slack. Uh, There's an information meeting coming. This is a great opportunity to give of your time, to give of your resources, your energy. We have the ability to support our missionary partners. Again, not just financially, which is important, but with our time and energy, caring for them. Realistically, I mean, this is just logistics. Eight people can do a lot more than, say, two people can. Like, it is such a gift, and anyone who has ever moved knows this. It's such a gift to have eight people to help you move boxes than two, right? Like, this is the kinds of tangible things that we can do to be generous. It's not just money. It's time, it's energy, it's, it's thinking about people, reaching out to them. generosity in that way. It it could also be, you know, we have other churches in the Madison Multiply Network, churches that are fairly early on still, and other gospel-believing churches in Madison. And man, if, if we're all preaching the same gospel, you know, the Bible says that we're all the body of Christ, well, we are already partnered with them. We're in the same town, seeking the same goal for God to be glorified in Madison, Wisconsin. So man, let's partner with other believers in Madison. What are, what are the, ch- the needs of these other churches? What are the needs that we have as a church? We are a part of the same kingdom. We're citizens together. We're, we're already partners. So let's be generous how we can love and serve each other. Or man, maybe this is just people you know. Again, other brothers and sisters, we're already partnered together. That's the nature of the gospel, is that we're all unified in Christ. And so what are some ways that we can give of our money, our time, and our energy generously to serve our brothers and sisters in need? We're all one body together. So I think the thing to do is to ask ourselves, what can we do to be generous? How can we partner with others for the sake of the gospel? Let's remember all these things, they're expressions of generosity. Whether you're planning a trip to Ecuador, reaching out to other churches, or just caring for the people around you, this is giving of yourself. And the promise of the Bible is that the Lord rewards true generosity. It won't necessarily be the money or the time or the energy that you spent, but the promise is that the Lord notices. He rewards generosity. And again, we can trust that because the Lord is generous. In fact, he's the ultimate image of generosity and partnership. And we know that because God did not wait for us to be generous first in order to give to us, did he? 
He, he didn't stay far off when he saw that the world was broken by sin, by our sin. No, he moved towards us. God came to us in Jesus, showing the ultimate generosity. And that though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be held onto for advantage, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Friends, the ultimate example of generosity that we have is the Father sending the Son to us to die on our behalf. And the ultimate example of partnership is when Jesus became human in order to partner with humanity. Bearing our sins on the cross so that we can have his profit accrued to our account. Friends, generosity is good. Partnership is good. And we must do these things to God's glory. But we will never be able to pursue this. Unless we first accept that God is the one who was generous to us. That he partnered with us. And that ultimately, God is the one who bought his glory. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this day. And we thank you that you are glorious. That you are the weightiest. That you are the most important you are center, that you are the most radiant and beautiful, desirable. Thank you, Lord, that you, though you are so glorious and so good, have loved us so much and have shown us generosity, despite the facts that we have not, we have not ascribed to you the glory that is due you. And Lord, we pray that as we leave here, that we could be people so marked by generosity and partnership in the gospel, the people around us would, would just question, why do you do this? And that we could just say, we do it for God's glory. Lord, we thank you for all that you give us, and we pray that you would continue to transform us to the likeness of your Son. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.